Hi, welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name is Stuart and I get to be the minister here. In particular, a reminder that the book group meets tonight, that's the 20th of September at 7.30 to discuss The House on the Strand by Daphne du Maurier. And on Thursday the 24th, join us to dig deeper into today's passage. That's at 7.30pm, both of them on Zoom. Today marks six months since our church building was closed by the lockdown. Over the past weeks, the Kirk Session has been considering whether to reopen or not. We decided we would go ahead with the required risk assessment and put in place all the measures needed to open and had initially planned a test for today. The risk assessment was completed and the team that did that recommended that now was not the right time to reopen, especially given the current local lockdown in Lanarkshire. It now looks like further restrictions might be in place soon, with Covid cases rising again sharply. The Kirk session met on Friday evening and confirmed that decision not to reopen for worship on Sundays yet. So, we will continue our worship online, on the phone, as a printed copy of the service or on CD. Today, we look at one of those stories Jesus told us that makes us feel just a bit uncomfortable and with good reason. It's Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire labourers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the labourers for the usual daily wage, he sent them to his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon, and about three o'clock he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the labourers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The opposite of poverty is justice. We heard Brian Stevenson say that last week, when he talked about his work with prisoners. And this week we are presented with a parable to illustrate just that point. The labour market hasn't changed that much over time. The people who are deemed to be best suited for the job are taken first, and others are left behind. It's the economic version of lining up against the wall and picking teams. 
People would go to the village square each morning and the landowner would come each day and hire the workers they needed and every day some would be left behind. If you're the owner of the vineyard then you want the best workers. You want the people with experience, people with strong backs who are hard workers, people who can work all day in the sun. After all, you're paying them, so you want to maximise your profit. But there was no welfare state. If you didn't get work, then you didn't get paid. People who didn't get work were often those who had been injured or weren't the strongest or the youngest anymore or people who had a reputation of being lazy or trouble. The people who didn't get work were often the people who needed work the most. So, along comes the owner of the vineyard and picks the best workers, who agree the usual daily rate. But a few hours later, the owner comes back to the square. There are people still there. The other landowners would have been and taken some of the better workers, but the owner of the vineyard takes some more. And he comes back later at noon and there are still people there hoping for some work and he takes them on. And he comes back again at three and there are still people there. Another day sitting, waiting, hoping, hoping against all hope that there might be a job that needs done even just for a few hours. And again the owner of the vineyard comes back at 5pm to be honest, 3pm was stretching it. I mean, who on earth is still going to be sitting, waiting for work at 5pm? The desperate. Those who are ashamed to go home and explain to their family that once again they didn't get any work today. Can you imagine sitting there all day, watching the employers come and picking up the workers, but never you? Sitting there because there's nowhere else to go and nothing else to do. And sitting there hoping and praying that just once someone will come along and ask you to do some work for them. Surely you would just give up. You wouldn't wait all day, would you? But today is their day. They are chosen and off they go to work for an hour at the end of the day. And at the very end of the day, the manager starts to pay the workers, with the ones hired at the end of the day paid first, and they get a day's wages, a full day's wages. And so do the workers hired at 3pm and noon and 9am, and the workers who've been there all day are raging. That's not fair. We've worked all day in the heat of the sun. It, it's, it's, it's just not fair. Except they agreed to work for the wage that was offered. So what's the problem? What more do they want? They got their fair day's wage. So here's what we do with a story like this. It's a parable. So obviously it's not really about the thing it's about. It must be about something else, something to do with God, something spiritual. Of course, yes, it is. It's about grace, that undeserved mercy that we receive when we haven't earned it, a gift. The people who were busy working in the church for years and years, and along come these new people who discover Jesus, and everyone gets the same reward. Yes, it's about grace. But if that's all it's about, then we haven't really been paying attention to Matthew's story about Jesus. Because grace isn't some spiritual thing. Grace is a real world thing. All of this story is about the real world. Matthew has absolutely no interest in some spiritual nirvana after we die. The Jews didn't even believe in heaven. You die and on the day of resurrection the righteous are raised to new life. Why would, why would Matthew be talking about 
a place in the clouds. Everything Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel is about the here and now, not the there and then. Jesus has been teaching about arguments and divorce and ego and justice. These are real world issues. These are things that affect all of us all the time. It seems as though from the very beginning, Jesus has been particularly interested in the place of those that society doesn't value. The poor, the naked, the prisoner, the widow, the bereaved, the outcast, women and children. And at the same time, Matthew tells us that Jesus has come to perfect the law, not to do away with it. That all means that everything we need to make this all right already exists. The rules are there. The instructions for living are already in place. We just don't understand well, those rules or how to follow through on them. And that's not a new problem. It's a very human problem. The rules of economics, like all the other rules for living, are set out pretty clearly in the Bible. And here's basically how it was supposed to work. There were 12 tribes, and one of the tribes, the Levites, would be the priests, so they didn't get much land because they would be busy with worship and the law and that kind of stuff. And the other 11 tribes had the land split among them, and they would give a proportion of their produce to the Levites so that they could eat. So, you know, all good so far. Here's the clever bit. There was a system in place to make sure that someone couldn't come along and buy up all the land. Every 75 years, the land went back to its original owners, at least the original tribe, so that no one tribe would be able to dominate. It was called the Year of Jubilee. The reset button was pressed and everybody started over. But guess what? Loopholes were found. And as the population grew, people started to own more land. And it was never really returned, even in the Year of Jubilee. So people who should have had land had no land of their own. They had to work on someone else's land to get money to buy food instead of being able to grow their own food on their own land. And pretty soon, there were people who were getting more and more wealthy and others who were getting poorer and poorer. Here's a real world example from today. Jeff Bezos, he's the guy that owns Amazon. He's made so much money in the last six months that he could give every single Amazon employee worldwide a $105,000 bonus and still have the same amount of money he had six months ago. But he won't. Did you notice that when the government realised that thousands of people were going to find themselves in universal credit, they put the rate up? Because people couldn't possibly live in that tiny amount. People had been. Matthew's Gospel is political and it's economic. Just before this parable, Jesus tells a rich young man who kept all the commandments to go and sell all that he has and give his possessions to the poor. And the man is sad because he has many possessions. That's an eerie story for us though, because none of us are billionaires. So Jesus does what Jesus does. He makes it about us. We become the workers in a vineyard who we think are owed more than someone else. Are we the people who never get picked? The ones left sitting at the side of the road every day wondering how on earth will we make ends meet? The opposite of poverty is justice. And justice, according to Jesus in this parable, looks like people being paid exactly the same daily rate, even if they haven't done the same amount of work. Why? Well, because the land is God's land, and everyone has an equal share. And to God you aren't an economic unit, you're a person, loved and cherished. 
People wonder why Jesus said the poor will always be with us. It's because we just won't give up what we have for justice because we've swallowed this great big lie about how the world is supposed to work. And it's literally killing us, physically and spiritually and economically. This story about workers in the vineyard is about God's gifts and not just the spiritual things like grace and forgiveness, important and amazing as those gifts are, but it's a parable about justice, how we live, what we value, and especially how we value people. First will be last and the last will be first. Perhaps it's time we started thinking in new ways about what's important and what part we might play in making the world a more just place. Holy One, why do you love us? We are a tiny part of this amazing universe you have created. And yet your word tells us you saw we were very good, but we're weak and selfish. We are easily led astray. We give in to temptation more often than we should. And yet your son tells us we are forgiven and loved. You revealed your love in creation, in word and flesh. How can we fail to believe it? Why do we fail so often to live a life that reflects your love? We know that we are loved, and yet too often we choose to respond to situations in hate. We know we are forgiven, and yet too often we choose not to forgive others for their wrongdoing. We are made in your image, but we're not you. We are prone to mistakes and to choose wrong over right. Help us, Lord, to see our faults and failings, to desire to be better, to be more like Jesus and to follow in his way. Hear us, Lord, as we pray in your name, saying together, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. God's unlimited love and grace be with us as we close our time of worship. Let's commit ourselves to taking this love and grace out into the world in which we live and move. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, this day and always. Amen.